everyone. Jonathan Walsh here, as always, on Don the Start. I'm joined by my co-host, Ian Hume Hume. We've done something a little bit different for this episode. We put the call out last week for some uh, out to our fans to to get some of the stories that made each of you proud as Bomber fans, not just the your favourite memory or, or your, your most memorable moment, but the one that really stood out and made you proud to be a Bomber fan. And what we really wanted to do was start to uh, tell those stories. We, we know that we hear a lot about what happens on the field and they're a big part of our culture and our history, but I think the people in the stands are as bigger, if not bigger part of, of what our club is and what it exists. Uh, one of the people who responded uh, to your call out was Willow and he posted a really great story about, you know, how he got into the 93 grand final, which is a, a lot different to buying a ticket and, and walking in the door. So we wanted to give him the opportunity to share his, his story. Uh, and that's what we've done. So this might become a bit of a, a semi-regular feature. You know, we think there's a, as Jono said, you know, part of what makes a great club, whether that's a local club or a club as big as Essendon is the stories that are told by the people that, that care about that club. And, you know, this is one of the, this is one of those stories and we just want to, you know, give people the opportunity to share why Essendon special to them, just get that out there in, into the world. And so here's our interview with Willow. Enjoy. All right. And we're joined by Willow. Willow, thanks for being our first fan guest on Don the Stat, mate. Uh, maybe to start, why don't you give us a little bit of background. How did you become a Don's fan? Um, well, as my parents explained to me, uh, I had the uh, honour of being born in Essendon Hospital and for the first few years was raised in Essendon yep. and then uh, unfortunately uh, moved uh, north of Essendon uh, into the uh, Collingwood zone, so to speak. Oh, no. Um, and was just surrounded by Collingwood people, but I decided to keep uh, my tradition of the red and black. Um, and I reckon it was uh, probably that 90, uh, sorry, 83 grand final against Hawthorne that even though we lost, um, that sort of set the seed. Of yeah, just nice. really, really getting behind the club. Yeah. Um, and then 80, 84 was like, oh, my God, that last quarter. I mean, how good was that last quarter? Um, well, the game was actually unbelievable, but to turn it around, to have that magic Leon Baker blind turn, the goal, um, and then that was just an amazing experience. Then you had 95, uh, sorry, 85, and um, that was just uh, just one of the perfect games. Uh, and then we had a period where it just stopped. Pretty pretty handy error to uh, to fall in love with the Bombers. Uh, you mentioned Leon Baker. I'm tipping he was, like many other Dons fans of that era, one of your faves. Who were the sort of top three or four, you know, favourites? Whose number did you have on your your duffel coat coming through. If you, yeah, if you got a, a have to admit, I, Yeah, I have to admit, I had, had Tim Watson. He was yep. on the duffel coat. Uh, and then you probably had as many badges of the players that you could fit on the front of your duffel coat. Um, yep. And you always had the scarf, um, especially when you had to go out to Waverley Park, which we called Concrete City. Beautiful surface, but just horrible to watch the game. And um, 
yeah, we used to have long treks out that way uh, and it would be day or night, we'd still go, uh, the family. But it was just um, able to go onto the oval and kick the ball at Waverley because you always could. They, yeah. they never said no. Um, and that was just a great experience. A lot of Eston people went out to Waverley to watch them, even though we were playing a lot of home games at Windy Hill. Yeah, I remember the the trek down the old uh, was it southeastern arterial it was called back then. Or yeah, remember that well. It was almost like coming from um, from the eastern side of town that you had to pack your passport to uh, to get out there. Yeah, from the northern side, it was the dreaded Springvale Road. Yeah, uh, and yeah, and that and that took a while. No, I was a, I'm a bit I'm a bit late. I was a bit late for Waverley. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, am I? my first experience of going to the game was uh, Docklands. So I missed, I missed that trek out from the West, but uh, you know, I think it was a big, it was a big move because we were playing so well at the MCG and at Windy Hill to make that move to Docklands was huge. Whether that was part of the the reason why we've declined, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that's been looked into, but geez, we played well at the MCG and at Windy Hill. Yeah, it's one of those things, whether it's correlation or causation or, you know, one of those things. So the main reason we've, we've actually brought you on tonight is uh, in the in the rec- uh, fan request post that Jono posted on Twitter this week, you posted a fantastic story about another one of our amazing grand finals, 93, and had a lot to do with the, the pregame entertainment. Now, this was two years post the Batmobile, which prior to Meatloaf was probably the most infamous of the grand final performances, but uh, the 93 one, it's got its own special bit of kitsch, you know, people would look back and, you know, reflect on just sort of give us a bit of background. What was the 90, what was the 93 uh, entertainment and how did you get involved with it? Yep. Um, It probably started going back to round 16 when we played the West coast and the famous win where uh, Kevin Sheedy did the waving of the jacket. And Salmon kicked the goal in the last moments to beat the West Coast by two points. On the way back home on the train, we were actually, the carriage was actually full of Essendon people. And they were actually saying that we could do something special here. We, we just liked the signs of how the team was playing. And it was like, how are we going to get a grand final ticket? Because going back then, grand final tickets were actually really hard to get to. They were really hard to get. Um, so you just tried all different types of avenues. And then two weeks later, I get this phone call from one of my mates who's part of the uh, AFL training umpiring program saying the AFL's looking for 400 umpires to do some entertainment on the grand final. I just said straight away, I'm there. If you need me, I'm there. Had you had any umpiring experience or was it just? No, no it was just. I'm there. I don't care. I'm going to get a ticket to go to the game. I'll do anything. Anyway, about a week after that, he uh, called me back and he said, yeah, you've been selected. We're still looking for more if you know anyone. So we grabbed a few other friends and they put their name down and they got in. And then we had all these little secret rendezvous at ovals around Melbourne to do this routine early on a Sunday morning. So just just go through just go through what that routine involved for those who haven't seen the entertainment. We had to pretend that 
yeah, the likes of Ablett and Lockett and Dunstall were kicking goals over our head and we had to wave the flags. And the reason why they want to do this is the AFL did some sort of study in America to try to raise the audience over there because that was really getting big at those days that Australian sports were starting to get some coverage over in America. And the people who were running this telling us that they just absolutely love the goal umpiring waving the flags. They think it's awesome. So they had that in the whole routine. We were dressed as goal umpires, waving flags, looking quite embarrassing for about three minutes, I think one, but it felt like when you're on there on the day that it went for 20 minutes. Um, you couldn't wait to get on, but then you couldn't wait to get off. But each week we had this practice, the routine kept changing and people weren't always turning up and you'd have all these different people right next to you in your spot one week and it's a different people the next and you're thinking, what's going on here? But my focus was I'm getting a grand final ticket. I don't care. I'm going to have a hat on. I'm going to have a big white coat on and I just pray that the camera doesn't zoom down my line during the event. Mm. So I guess, like, were there many people in a similar situation as you? Were there a lot of Essendon fans doing the same thing to, uh, to get in or did we just get more? Yeah, there was, there was quite a few, but it was covering virtually nearly all teams in a way. They just wanted the opportunity who weren't actual goal umpires or all umpires to just have that chance to go on the MCG and then be a part of it and then sit and watch. It was just bizarre. People were going out to nightclubs and partying all night on a Saturday night and then rocking up to this routine, hungover, not feeling the best, and they just didn't know what they were doing. But our routine kept changing. Come grand final day, we weren't sure if the routine was from two weeks ago, one week ago, three weeks ago. But if you have a look at the vision, you'll see out of the 400, 200 do it quite well. The other 200, not so well. But the buzz of being in the tunnel waiting to go on when everyone was in their seat was unbelievable. It was I think 96,000, I think was at the game. But that was like, and that was with a pretty, I think a, a great Southern stand was all built. So the atmosphere was just phenomenal. It was, you walked on, I had someone walking next to me who still didn't know what they were doing. And I just told him to follow the person in front. He had people nearly throwing up in the tunnel because they were that nervous because it was the sound, the sound of the crowd was just, I've never experienced anything like it. And then next thing you know, you're in the middle of the MCG and you're doing this routine, praying that it goes so quick, but the experience was just something else. Absolutely, it would have been. I mean, what what was the other entertainment connected with that day? Was there much else going on? Were you guys the main event? Um, So that's the thing is, you were all parked at Punt Road and then they say, okay, 10 minutes, you're out. You're into the stadium, into the tunnel underneath, waiting to go on. As soon as you come off, you're bolted back out again. Everyone made a run towards Punt Road because they wanted to get back in time for the game. You had to give all your gear back. But I had one guy who was so desperate, he was actual Carlton supporter, that he didn't want to lose his position 
in the crowd because we had all standing room seats where the current punt road screen is. So that's where it was all standing. That's where we had, and that's right behind the goals. He was so desperate not to lose his standing seat that he just took all of his clothes off and he gave his little flag to me and said, can you pass it in for me? I said, yeah, absolutely. I gave back the jacket, I gave back the hat, but I kept the flag, put it under under my arm when I gave the stuff back and uh, got back about, oh, I think we got back about five minutes before the start of the game and just looked raw. I'm surprised you were that nice to a Carlton supporter. I was very nice because the whole plan was to get his flag <laughs> and I got it. I wanted something to take back. Yeah, but we got to sit down, um, sit down stand and that first quarter was just phenomenal. The roar of the crowd. I mean, we should have kicked more than five goals. We just dominated that quarter. And then at quarter time, you had that unknown of, are we going to continue? Is Carlton going to come back? And you could see Carlton slowly trying to work their way back into the game. But our second half was just brilliant. And it was just an absolute joy to see that grand final live. Absolutely would have been. It was so I, that's that's the year that I got into football, but I was only I was only seven at the time, so I, I don't really have memories of that game. But Jono, you you would have had some pretty fond memories of that. What were your what was your experience of the '93 Grand Final? Yeah, I, I was lucky enough. I didn't have to quite go to those lengths to get a ticket, so I sat actually right behind the players' race in the first row of uh, yeah, directly behind the players' race where the yes and team came out onto the ground. So, yeah, like Willow, I, I really remember the noise as the players came out. We sort of saw, because of where we were sitting, we saw the players enter the race before anybody else did. But then once they stepped out onto the ground, the noise was just intoxicating. I, I, I Yeah, really something to behold. And, and I think back then, unlike now, the, the grand final hadn't quite become as corporate as it is now. So there were more... Yes, genuine Essendon and Carlton fans in the ground than than you probably get at a grand final with the two competing teams these days. So I definitely remember that. I had a good view of of Michael Long's first quarter goal because we were on that sort of half forward flank area there. So we saw that you know the build up to that, and then we were almost behind him when he kicked it. Yeah, that so that moment was pretty amazing to remember. And I was actually we'll ask Willow to touch on his pre match exploits afterwards but I was lucky enough to go down into the rooms after that one and I remember Paul Salmon hold, handing me the premiership cup and telling me to take a drink out of it only to find out that it was filled with champagne so I think I was only I would have been 12 or 13 so I think that was probably my first real experience with alcohol so I remember that and then I remember my photo being in the paper the Essendon Gazette back in the days of local newspapers yeah holding the Premiership Cup as well. So, yeah, great memories of that day. And then Windy Hill the next day for the, the fan day was, was really special as well. But, Willow, you've got a bit of a story about how that you're a, a few years older than me, so you were, you were yes, old sir. enough to get out and about and celebrate. I was yeah. 20 at the time. And after the game, word had got out that, you know, all less than faithful are going to head back to Windy Hill. So it was about... You know, how do you actually get out there from the city? Is it train? Is it tram? Is it taxi? But got the train out there and I've never seen Windy Hill like that. I thought it was a whole lot bigger than 84, 85. The amount of times the 
song was just sung like that was just ridiculous. Someone would play it again and again and again, and it was just sung and sung and sung. The players, I think, had all their function stuff inside, and then the word got around that they were heading into Crown to Heat Nightclub. And next thing you know, I'm in a taxi with one of the Essendon officials. I have no idea. And uh, he just said, follow me. And next thing you know, we get to Crown and you've got this wave of red and black going through. But a lot, not all of them were over 18. It was that, that was quite funny. And, yeah, walked in and players arrived just after that. And I can just – it was just pure celebration. And there was a lot of people from other clubs who were there, um, supporters, and they just oh, – I thought they helped make the night. But um, And then, yeah, the wee hours of the morning, I uh, got home, was looking forward to going to the family day the next day like I did in 84. And, yeah, woke up at about 7 o'clock Sunday night and uh, missed the whole thing. Yeah, the 84 family day was phenomenal at Windy Hill. And it was a different vibe from 93 to 84 because it was a di- different era as well. Probably a lot more younger people at 93, a lot more family orientated at the 84. But, yeah, it was just what a way to finish the celebration, probably being put into a cab by either a player or an official <laughs> early hours of the morning. But, yeah, just – and the players were so well behaved as well, I have to say. They just – Either they had words of wisdom from some of the experienced guys, but they just enjoyed the celebration. I thought that was pretty phenomenal. Absolutely. And I guess, you know, coming off 1990 and what happened there, you know, it would have been all the sweeter, 93. Oh, 1990. That was heartbreak. That really was. It was like we didn't come to play. That was, I mean, yes, Collingwood did have a good team, but we just didn't come to play. I think we just wanted to fight and they actually wanted the ball. But, yeah, 93 did make it better, especially when it was against Carlton. But then Carlton got us back in 99, didn't they? That's sort of been their last hurrah for 23 years. So, you know, and hopefully hopefully we're about to burst their bubble or, you know, this is actually, sorry, this is actually going out after the Carlton game. So hopefully when you're listening to this, we've burst Carlton's bubble and, you know, they've gotten ahead of themselves too much. But if Carlton do happen to win, hopefully this story, you know, gives people a bit of a pep up uh, the morning after, a bit of a disappointment. Hopefully yeah. when you, everyone's listening to this, it's, you know, after Essendon's, you know, thumping 10-goal win, <laughs> you know, Voss has been sacked. It's, it's fine, mate. If we get done, you can edit this bit out and we won't put it to air. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Willow. But before we go, I just wanted to get your thoughts on where Essendon are at the moment. Obviously, the season hasn't gone to anyone's expectations, but what are your thoughts? Are you, are you positive about the Bombers? Are you, are you negative about them going forward? What are your thoughts? I thought we probably overachieved last year. So I thought coming into this year, we, our expectations were probably a little bit higher than what they should be. I think the list is actually okay. I think we probably need a little... It would be ideal if we had Michael Hurley down back. I think he could just play on the big players and not allowing Ridley to sort of be one of those big players and not play his true style. I think we need something, we need to do something about development. I think we're getting the right guys in, but I don't think they're then developing to the next level. So I think that needs to be addressed. And then I think our biggest 
problem is our kicking inside 50. We seem to want to bomb it high. The opposition knows it. Everyone seems to know it. And they set up their defence for what we're going to do when we're going into 50. You, you go back to the old days of the, the 80s and the 90s where we had two guys leading out of the goal square. That doesn't seem to happen anymore. Amazing. And what, what if a coach actually started that again? I wonder what that I wonder what that would do where the midfield's getting the ball in the midfield and then they see two guys leading into into them. That's what I'd like to see again. But does the coach have enough guts to try that? Because we're in a trying period now. We've got to try things. We've got to we've got to change things up. We've got to try and kick more goals and we've got to defend better. I mean, Nick Martin, what a revelation he's been. That was a great pick. And hopefully the two guys that we've picked up in the mid season break look actually look promising. Hopefully they get given a go and their bodies hold up and I don't know. Do we want to start winning a hell of a lot more games? Will that penalise us for next year? Yeah, that's the big conundrum at the moment, isn't it? We we talked about that last week in in our mid season review. I think it's the that's the challenge as a fan now, isn't it? When your team's down the bottom, do you go, well, geez, pick three would be nice, or do you go, Yeah, I'd really like to go out each week and see my football team win. So yeah, it's a big it's a big catch twenty two, but Mate, thanks so much for, for coming on and, and joining us and sharing your story about how you became a, a Bombers fan and, and in particular your story around the 1993 grand final. It was, yeah, really nice. I, I think one of the things that I've always loved about Essendon is the stories of the people that are involved and, and that's not just those that are on the field. It's also those that are sitting in the stands. So, yeah, thank you, mate. We really appreciate you giving no us some time and, and joining us. Thank you for having me on. Thanks, Will. Just mate. for just for the listeners, where can they find you on Twitter? What's your handle? Make Birdie Putt. It's Make bir- my yeah, it's my golf title. I tried to make, I tried to do golf and Essendon and the same thing. It just didn't work, so I just had to go with one just to be something different. Fair I enough. Try to play, I try to play golf. Excellent. Well, we'll, <laughs> we'll put we'll put the we'll put the link in the in the description for the show. Thank, thanks, thanks, heaps, and yeah, absolutely. Go Dons. Thanks, guys.